Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandra Olinick, and this week's episode is with two-time Olympic show jumping medalist, Leslie Burr Howard. Leslie was rising to fame just as I started competing. She's always been one of my favorite Grand Prix show jumpers, and I was really excited to speak with her. We chatted in early April by telephone after the final week of the Winter Equestrian Festival. Now 65 years old, Leslie was a star from early on. She won the 1972 ASPCA McClay National Championship and rose through the Grand Prix ranks to win a team gold medal at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics riding Albany. That year, she won the American Grand Prix Rider of the Year title, and a year earlier, Albany won the AGA Horse of the Year award. In 1986, Leslie won the FEI World Cup Finals riding McLean and was named the American Horse Show's Equestrian of the Year. In 1992, she was paired with the legendary Jem Twist for injured rider Greg Best. That year, Jem was named the AGA Horse of the Year. Leslie also competed in the 1994 World Equestrian Games, and in 1996, she helped the U.S. show jumping team win a silver medal at the Atlanta Olympics Riding Extreme. A year later, she won the world's richest Grand Prix at the time, the Demarier at Spruce Meadows in Calgary, riding Spleft. During the interview, she explains why he's a favorite horse of hers. After that, Leslie continued winning major Grand Prix, and in 2020, after capturing the blue in some Grand Prix in Tryon, North Carolina, she celebrated 40 years of victories since her first, the President's Cup at the Washington International Horse Show in 1979. During our conversation, Leslie shares how she started riding, winning the McClay on a short-strided pinto, special horses and wins in her career, what she thinks makes a good horseman, and what she's doing now. About halfway through the interview, there's a part that I found especially interesting. Leslie is known for having very steady competition nerves, and I asked her about that. Some of it is how she's wired, but I also took to heart what she says about keeping riding and competing in perspective, which centers on having fun, doing your best, and not getting caught up in emotional turmoil. I also like her answer to a question about her training philosophy, which not surprisingly focuses on keeping a horse happy so he'll want to do his job. Before we get into the conversation, I'd like to share a word from this episode's sponsor, Bimeda. Bimeda might just be the largest animal health company you've never heard of. Till now. Bimeda Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s, where our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses, like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence EQ. 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress. These are to name just a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, please visit bimedaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them. 
During today's interview, we had a few technical glitches and there are a few scratchy moments. I apologize about that, but you'll still be able to hear. And now let's jump right into the conversation where Leslie starts by talking about how she became interested in horses. Oh, oh, you know, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I was four years old and I had to have a pony. Um, my parents were both in the New York theater, knew nothing about horses. And I just decided when I was four years old that there was, that I had to have a pony. So we went down to the local pony farm, uh, Shetland Pony Farm, and I picked one out and I named the Topper. And I put a big Western saddle on and I galloped around the field all day long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you, so there is nothing that, like, other than you just knew you always wanted a pony? Yeah, I just had to have a pony. And then, you know, as time went on, then I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough because Sharon Hardy called Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom actually rode for the team and uh, Sharon uh, was my trainer for years and years until I went with George. Uh, they had a, a pony farm, uh, not the Shepherd Pony Farm. Uh, uh, the Highfields ponies were one of the top, it was the top breeding uh, farm of ponies, uh, hunter ponies in those days. And they just lived a mile from my house. So I would go up there and, and, uh, ride every day and, um, fall off every day and <laughs> get back on and fall off. And that was, that was my life for about the next five years. Oh gosh. <laughs> Is that where you develop your toughness? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But we couldn't afford a pony. Uh, so the only way I would get rides is if I, uh, literally I broke, I broke the, the two year old thoroughbred Welsh pony crosses that they had. Um, when I was about, oh God, I was doing that when I was about probably nine years old, <laughs> 10 years old. And, uh, yeah. So I just, you know, learned to stay on and, and, uh, it, it just didn't ever discourage me falling off. Why do you think that is? Because it seems like falling off is a lot of people really don't like to do that. Yeah, no, I know. I don't particularly like to do it anymore. <laughs> but um, I think it just didn't, for some reason, it didn't scare me. Uh, and I knew that if I wanted to ride, that was the reality. You know, my parents were going to buy me a pony. So I had to, I had to, you know, I had to tough it out and ride the ones that were given me. And, and, and let me also say, they gave me a lot of lovely ponies to ride too. It wasn't all bad. Uh, it was, it was more good than bad. Uh, I, I got a lot of top ponies to show, uh, starting when I was like eight years old. And, um, and, but you know, part of the deal is I had to also ride the naughty ponies and break the young ponies. So it was a, it was a great opportunity to have while you're that young. And, you know, when you're young, you bounce and I don't think you, you take, you know, take the bad side so seriously. Right. Right. Um, moving forward a little bit, you won the ASPCA McClay finals in 1972 at age 15. Right. Um, right. Can you just talk about what that experience was like? Well, <laughs> so I went to ride, I was with Sharon up until I was about 13. And then she said, you know, you really need to go to George Morrison and, um, and get more instructions. Um, so I went, went with George, uh, but I came with Sharon, the horse, the horse I won the finals on, but she was a very small pinto horse with not a lot of stride. 
And uh, so when I came to George, George said, well, you know, you know, I'll take you on for sure. But, you know, you have to get a better horse than this Pinto horse. <laughs> so my mother says, well, that's all we have is this Pinto horse. So, so you, you just got to make do. So uh, George, uh, of, course, of course, you know, George was begrudgingly, okay, well, we'll, we'll keep the Pinto. Well, of course, I ended up winning the clay finals on the Pinto. And uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, it's sort of a fairy tale story, I know, but but uh, it, it all it all worked out. So you've been on a, a lot of U.S. teams with a lot of famous riders, you know, Joe Farges, Conrad Homfeld, Melanie Smith Taylor. I guess, do you have any any favorite memories of times with them or, or other riders? Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously. Um, it's always great to ride on a team. Uh, it, it's fun. It's uh, it's a different, obviously, experience from riding as an individual. Um, you know, obviously, going to the Olympics and and, and both in LA and then in '84, and you know, getting gold and silver medals for put the icing on the cake. Cake, but I think um, I think the I, I I think the the biggest memory of teams is it's such a great feeling to ride for your country and uh you know um and it's a, a really good feeling to beat the germans <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wants to be you know and, um, uh in those days i mean they still are obviously but um actually there's so many good teams now but i think in those days you know it was always germany versus us in my mind that's the way i always saw it uh and uh it's just always it's such a great feeling especially you know i was fortunate enough both games to to um uh, be riding for our country at home in LA and Atlanta, and uh, so that 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 make you know, that makes it extra special for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then talking about the horses, you know, you've certainly had a lot of special horses. Is there you know one or a few who stand out? Um, for sure. Uh, you know, I think everybody would think that, that my immediate answer would be Jim Twist because he was such a famous horse. And, and I was so lucky to have that opportunity to ride him. Um, and, um, but I think my favorite horse of all times uh, was just one that uh, the horse had believed to won the um, big Masters Grand Prix at Spruce Meadows on. Uh, and, and he was my favorite because... When I got Jim, he was already a famous horse, and you know Greg had made him famous, and he'd done such wonderful things already. So you know there was nothing really I could do to to you know make things more <laughs> memorable. I mean, for sure, after winning the silver medal and sold it, you know anything I did was just step down. <laughs> um, but again, an, an honor to ride him. But uh, with Sublift, he's a horse we bought as a six-year-old, and he had a great personality. And uh, so I brought him up from his you know, very first horse show, basically, right mm-hmm. through to, to competing on Nations Cups and then winning the Masters Grand Prix at Spruce Meadows. So that, he was actually my favorite horse of all time. Great. We've talked a little bit about the Olympics. I mean, is, is there a particular competition that stands out as, like, the best in your career? 
Oh, oh, I would say the, yeah, I would say the DeMaurier, the, okay, it's called the CN now or CP now, I guess it's Bruce Meadows. Uh, those days, um, the, 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 the main sponsor for the um, Masters Grand Prix at Bruce Meadows was um, DeMaurier. It was a cigarette company. And uh, again, again, at that time, it was, it was the biggest Grand Prix in the world. Uh, I think it was uh, 750,000 then. Now, of course, I think it's two or three million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was by far the biggest money class uh, in the world at that time. And, uh, and uh, so I think that was the, that stands out. Well, that, that and winning the World Cup finals um, mm-hmm. also stands out as as probably my two fondest memories obviously the 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 team gold and the team silver um are memories but in different ways because that was a team situation and um these were individual um Mm -hmm. awards so yeah both important for different reasons yeah you know obviously as you said they're the two individual competitions are important. Why Why are they so special to you? Well, I mean, to win either the World Cup, you know, it's not easy to win the World Cup. It's not easy to win the, the biggest Grand Prix in, in the world, I guess. Uh, you know, if I had to say, was there anything else, you know, individually, obviously the Ocean Grand Prix, um, I, you know, I never accomplished that. Uh, those would have been some goals if, if, uh, if you were to ask me. But um, yeah, they're just extremely prestigious events, uh, and uh, you know that's what we do. I mean, that's what you. That's what you. Um, your goals are. That's why you, you know, do this every day. Is, is to ride the best you can at the, at the top events in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, at the the 1984 Olympics, uh, which you rode on Albany, what what was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was actually, um, you know, I think it was imagined that uh, the Olympics as being you know, nerve wracking, and and I was found actually the most nerve wracking part of. Uh, a, a world championship or an Olympic Games was was getting there, um, you know, qualifying and the especially um, well. No, it's still it's still true today. You know, qualifying is, is hard. You know, because you're you're going against you know ten, twelve other people that also want to spot on that team, and that that's to me the hard part. The hard part is qualifying and maintaining that high level for the the months before the competition you know, to prove that you're worthy to to go. Um, once you're there, it's actually, I, I found it a, a not at all stressful. Just, you know, go in, do your best and have fun, really. And, you know, hopefully come out there with a clear round and win a medal for your country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember talking to Ann Krasinski um, who was your teammate in the 96 games. And she was talking about how you're very uh, different competitors that she's sort of had to work on the mental skills aspects of riding. And I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she said you were much more relaxed about it and, and a fun teammate to have and, and kind of gave her a different perspective. Is that just something that you've always had? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, worrying and being nervous, it really doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So why do you do it? Um, why would you do it? Um, <laughs> and I, I do think I've always had that mental 
ability to just tone things down and, and just look at them in perspective. And, you know, it is at the end of the day, yeah, we all want to do well, but at the end of the day, it is just another day in your life and it is just another 12 set of jumps. And so, you you know, you do the best you can, you prepare the best, but to, to weigh yourself down with all the emotional, you know, uh, crap, for lack of a better word, you know, it just doesn't seem, you know, why? So don't. <laughs> yeah is that is that something you can convey to your students who yeah i mean and everybody everybody manifests manifests things differently though you know i think you know and by nature is a you know she's she's very f- focused and and you know we we're, everybody's different so everybody has to has to get to that moment in the best way they can and you know hopefully you you know yourself enough that that you know, that you, you can do that. Some people, you know, like to listen to music, go off by themselves. Some people like to just, you know, sit down and joke around. It's just it's whatever, whatever puts you in the best state or frame of mind. So do you have any kind of routine before competition or? Absolutely not. No? Okay. <laughs> no, no. I get up every morning, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, um, and I go down, I have a cup of coffee, and I go to the bar and start So now you've certainly won a lot, but um, also, you know, not winning is, is part of competing. So how do you handle like, you know, when things don't go your way or, or you lose, you know, especially a class you really wanted to win? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just have to take it day by day, really, is all I can say. You know, you do I think what you have to realize in this sport is you're going to um, jump more four fault, eight fault rounds than you are clear rounds. Um, Joe Farges actually, in that respect, always had a great, a great phrase. And he never said, he always said, never be too mad, sad, or glad. Uh, which is a wonderful phrase because, I mean, you know, when you win, don't be, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's nice, but don't be too excited because you're going to lose the next day. <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and if you know Joe, you know he's very level. He's probably he's he's more level than I am in that respect. I mean, he's so non-faced, at least outwardly by by everything, everything. You know, you just it's another day. And he in that way, he's a fun teammate to have because he's he has a very calming. Uh, uh, very calming, um, you know, uh, force. He's a very calming force on everybody around him. Hmm. That's fascinating. So, um, talking a little bit about training horses, could you uh, describe your overall training philosophy? I think that probably my biggest philosophy is the horse, the horse has to be happy. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people in my mind overtraining and, you know, over-disciplining. And, you know, the horse has to want to do his job. Obviously, they, you have to do the flat work. Obviously, they have to 
they have to listen, they have to do what you want. But at, at the same time, they have to go out there with a, a feeling of they're having fun and they're, they're enjoying their work. You know, I, it, it's always upsetting to me when I see people getting on horses and they're yanking them up and spurring them and, you know, legging them this way and legging them the other way. And then the poor horses, you know, they're just miserable. Well, you know, why would you want to put out for that person? What joy could you possibly have in jumping a jump when you've just been tortured for the last mm. 12 minutes? Um, so, yes, I do think that, um, yes, obviously I flat my horses. I think I flat them very well, but, but you never, I really try very hard never to get ang- uh, angry. I don't think I Actually, I don't think I ever get angry. You know, you have to ask yourself, why is this horse not doing what I'm asking? Rather than just getting irritated, you know, figure out what, you know, what it is that's bothering him, that he can't perform the task that you're asking him to do. And when you start to you ask yourself, what, you know, why is he reacting the way he is, then there's no need for anger and there's no need for, uh, you know, abuse, period. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and sort of in a similar light, what what do you think makes a good horseman? Somebody who somebody who likes their horses. Um, obviously, the attention. Okay, okay, that that's a long list. Obviously, the attention to detail. You know, right from you know looking at the horse in the stall. Um, you know, knowing. You know, the, the, I don't muck a lot of stalls these days. Actually, I don't do any, but but I know how to muck a stall, and I know that that you know if the horse is if if the horse is is behaving differently in this stall, there's something maybe not quite right or if his you know if his manure is different or if he's if he's you know depressed in the corner or if he's resting one leg more than he usually does or resting any leg for that matter or you know look at his eyes see if he's looking nervous see if he's looking happy see if he's looking relaxed see if he's looking scared I mean you know that's all part of being a horseman it's just it's just looking at your horse knowing your horse noticing the little obviously you have to check their legs duh um, but beyond that noticing the little the little change Changes in personality, or, or the you know the the changes in in the way they position themselves when they're standing. You know, all these things come into you know horsemanship. Period. Know know your horse. Know what's normal for your horse. Not what's not for your horse. Analyze your horse's moods. Why he's having these moods. Um, you know why he. Or, why he's you know nervous one day. Why he's relaxed the next day. It all you know that it all that you know he's just they're just reacting to how they feel. And a good horseman notices that and then reacts accordingly in a positive way. Right. And do you have a, like a favorite training exercise or type of work that you do with a lot of your horses? Um, not really a favorite, I would say. Um, you know, every horse has a little, you know, a little gymnastic over little cavaletti rails that, you know, you'll you'll pick different little exercises for each horse. If one horse is a little slow, you might do a little bounce. If one horse is crooked, you might have, you know, landing rails on the landing. You know, if they're a little crooked in front, you have takeoff rails. And just, you, you just have little, you know, you have to just analyze what are, what are the horse's weaknesses and how could little, uh, little easy gymnastics help that horse? I don't do big gymnastics um, as a rule. Uh, I don't do gymnastics that are going to try to trap the horse uh, because I found that, you know, gymnastics that are too difficult tend to make them a little bit nervous. 
and uh, again, not not really, you know, you don't want a horse coming on course down to the triple combination thinking, oh my God, there must be a trap here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you want coming down to the triple combination thinking, you know, looking at it, understanding it, and, and, and in his mind knowing he can do it. Um, so, yes, little gymnastics. I do a lot of big gymnastics. Not really. We have a beautiful field here at our farm. Uh, we, I like to take them out and do nice nice flowing courses on the Grand Prix field. I think that's good for them, um, you know, good for their minds. Um, also, jumping on turf is better than jumping on sand, in my opinion. So we do a lot of that. And... Uh, yeah, no, I think you just have to take in each horse individually and, you know, build a program for that horse that's going to make him be the best he can. Great. Seem to have a lot of students. I mean, I saw you over the weekend. How is that going? Yeah, I don't, you know, in, in the old days, <laughs> I was going back when my, you know, and, uh, well, well um, you know, back 30 years ago when we had all the equitation, all the hunters, yeah, we used to have 60 horses on the work list uh, back in the days when I was doing with Bruce and Bruce Burr and Molly Ash Collie. Um, now we'd have, you know, six, 65, 70 on the work list. Um, I don't do that anymore mm-hmm. um, and have no desire to do it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I have, I have a nice group of students, probably I don't know, four or five. I want to say mm-hmm. a nice group of horses, probably the numbers around 25. And, um, I, I enjoy teaching. Uh, I enjoy, I have more young horses now than I ever have had before, which I thoroughly enjoy. I have a wonderful rider who's doing a lot of the riding for me, Jad Dana, who is a super talent and just, you know, been making a name for himself in this sport in the Grand Prix. So it's, it's fun. It's fun. I still enjoy riding myself, but for sure I don't compete nearly as at the level I used to. Although I have to admit, if I had a superstar horse, you could probably talk me into it. But right now, I'm I'm enjoying riding the young horses. I'm enjoying bringing Jad's career to um, you know as high a level as as we possibly can get to, and I think that's going to be pretty darn high. And uh, then I, you know, I enjoy teaching teaching the young kids, you know, who aspire to be Grand Prix. How, how did you make that, you know, was it the change kind of gradual from when you were competing a lot or, you know, and kind of those, like you said? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, gradual, for sure. Uh, and I, to be honest, I'm sure I still, uh, my, my, my Grand Prix horse I had last year, uh, the Special, got hurt this year. And I'm sure if she hadn't gotten hurt, I'd still be showing in the Grand Prix. I'm sure if I have another horse down the road that, that I really like and enjoy, I'm sure I'll be doing it again. Uh, but in terms of, you know, me being focused on, you know, Olympic Games and, and championships and blah, blah, blah. You know, let's face it, I'm 65. Um, you know, if the right horse comes along, I'd love to show in the top classes, but it's not that, that's not, that's not the my number one goal right now in life. Mm-hmm. And it, it happened gradually. I mean, basically it happened because um, my last, I, I, I brought, I've had a lot of joint replacements. I've had one knee and two hips, uh, all of which have gone fabulously. Um, but the last one, I, you know, I couldn't ride for two months. So Jad got to take over the rides and he was doing such a super job. I was like, wow, this guy can really ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know, 
we need to give them a shot. So, you know, and that's, that's pretty much how it has evolved. Great. How would you say, you know, I guess, this, uh, how would you say you, you've sort of balanced family life with such a, a busy schedule? Well, I mean, my family is my life. I mean, you know, Peter, my husband, uh, he's, you know, he himself uh, competed internationally um, for Canada in three-day eventing. He adores the sport. He adores the horses. He adores all animals, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he that's, has, that has never been his profession. And by profession, he's a lawyer. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, his, his passion, his passion um, has always been the horses. Uh, you know, his business is the law, but his passion is the horses. So that, that's always made it, um, you know, so, you know, so easy because he, he takes as much of an interest in all the horses as I do. And we now have this beautiful farm in, in Wellington that, that we've had for four years. And, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's thoroughly enjoying, uh, farm life. So it, it, it uh, you know, he, mows, he sets the courses, he mows the Grand Prix field. He, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's, as he's still practicing law, he's also Farmer Joe half the time. So, <laughs> you know, that it's not a balance, really. It's not one, you know, how do you balance it? It's, we, we just both work together for the same goals. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's never a, you know, oh, I have to give up this because Peter wants that. No, we both want the same thing. So, that that's not really a, even an issue in our in our family in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Um, so, um, what are do you have other interests besides horses and riding? No, I actually don't. Isn't that sad? Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a dreadful golfer. I'm not much better at tennis, um, and uh, not a dreadful tennis player too. I'll be honest. Um, I ride very well. I, you know, I love to teach, love to ride. And there's nothing, uh, Peter always said, we, Peter and I went on one vacation before we were married, so that would have been 26 years ago. And he, he said uh, it was like being, being, being with a caged animal. <laughs> he said I was so tense not being, not being able to go and ride and be with my horses. <laughs> he said, he says it was, it was, it was a, it was a very tedious week long vacation because all I was doing was, you know, pacing trying to get out there to get back home. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I don't really. Uh, my parents were, as I mentioned earlier, my parents were in the theater. I do love music. I do love uh, the, the theater. Um, but outside of that, really, um, I'm very content in my everyday life. And, you know, is there any advice that you'd give your younger self? Uh, um, in other words, the things that maybe I should have done differently. Um, no, really, I, um, no, I think, I think I, I always, you know, I always, um, did what I thought was the best way to approach things in terms of what's best, best for the horse. Um, probably, there are times in my life when I should have been a better business person. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the, you know, money has never really been, 
that's important to me. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a great career and fortunate enough to have great clients. Probably I um, should have looked after the business if I wanted to have more money today, but that's not, this isn't really important to me. Um, I have a, you know, I have a great life and, and the most important thing is, you know, to just see these horses looking happy and healthy and enjoying watching them progress. That, that, that's what, that's, what's important to me. Hmm. Great. And I guess just to wrap up, um, can you, do you have any, I guess, can you explain why, why you think you've been so successful over, over such a long career? Um, yeah, so many different reasons. Uh, first of all, um, as I said, I, I, as a competitor, I think I'm not a nervous competitor, and I've always been probably pretty brave uh, and competitive. You know, it's never, you know, uh, uh, you know, working with students who, you know, are a little afraid to go fast or afraid to lose or afraid, you know, they they're too involved in all the things that can go wrong instead of just going out there and just you know having fun doing your best and being competitive trying to win um i think i have a pretty good or i have a pretty good competitive nature um obviously luck has a lot to do with it i had i was very fortunate to get to have great owners um in my career um a lot of great owners who 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 backed me with top top horses so that was you know that was another reason for success, you know, and then along with having great owners, fortunately to have, it, um, to have had great horses, um, you know, and that, that, you know, that ability to pick a horse that suits your style, that suits the way you ride. And I seem to have had a knack for that. Um, so I had great owners, great horses, uh, you know, pretty good competitive brain and uh yeah and then also always having a, a team around you that that is you know making it happen for you obviously you're nothing without your team your vet your blacksmith your head groom your your you know uh, all, all your caregivers who take care of these horses without without your team you're nothing so you know, it's a case of putting all the pieces together and then and uh you know, hopefully then it all, it all ends up at the top. Great. All of this has been really, really interesting. I really appreciate your time uh, chatting with me. I guess, is there anything I haven't thought to ask? No, I think, I think you're spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Well, like I said, well, thank you. It's been great, great catching up. It was great to see you. I've always long admired, long admired you. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah. Okay, great. And you take care. Okay. Thank you. You too. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Leslie Burr Howard. And a big thank you to the episode sponsor, Bimeda. Learn more at bimedaus.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandra Olinick, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.